I'm a French. I'm 27 years old. Um, I'm in the uh, military, French military, infantry. I've been doing that for three, four years now. Um, I'm a team leader in a machine gun squad uh, and uh, also a combat medic. And uh, more recently, I became a, a fire team leader in a motor squad. So I've deployed to several countries, uh, specifically to Western Africa. So I won't be able to, to, to name the countries, but uh, it's uh, mostly in Western Africa. And um, I've been diagnosed with uh, PTSD uh, about one year ago, and that was after two deployments. I myself realized uh, I needed uh, help. Can I ask, so what inspired you originally to sign up with the military? That's a good question because um, I wasn't actually going for it at first. I did some business studies before and uh, one day I was just looking for something more, you know, more adventure, more challenge. And um, one of my uncle was in the military before he deployed to Afghanistan with the French army, obviously. And um, yeah, around 23, 24 years old, I was like, okay, I need to do that now because it was always in the back of my head, you know. I need to do that now because it's not when I'm going to be 40 that I'm going to sign up, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, can I ask, thinking about the challenge, so in regular life, so were you when you say you were doing business studies, were you at university? Uh, uh, college. Uh, yeah, it, w- it was college and I was uh, working abroad at the time uh, in a small company. So it was really great. I was doing something I liked. Uh, it was no problem with that. I was in a sales department. But um, yeah, I just needed more, you know. I needed something else uh, in my life. I am curious, when you kind of, you would go to work or you would go do study stuff and then you'd come home and think about, what is my life? Is this a life I want? Was it kind of childhood dreams of jobs like this or childhood dreams of being in the military? Or what did it feel like when you say, like, I just wanted a challenge. I wanted some more action. Yeah, I see what, what yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, well, being a, being a soldier was like a childhood dreams. More like I was uh, really passionate about it. Um, one, um, one TV series that stuck with me when I was a kid was uh, Band of Brothers. Okay, so it was something I, I just watched and watched again, like, and um, I, I always was attracted to it, you know, firearms, um, just being with uh, your uh, your brothers, the brotherhood, everything like that, and um, yeah, at 23, I just kind of, like, life crisis, kind of, <laughs> and um, I needed that, you know, uh, everything in the office was just too uh, automatic, you know, you come to work, you do that, you check your emails, you're behind a desk, you drink coffee, and you go out for drinks with the colleagues, you know, that that's that's a day-to-day, and um, yeah, at 23 years old, I, I needed more. So everything a little too routine. Exactly. <laughs> Even if there are surprises, they're not like real surprises. It's a surprise email, it's a surprise thing at a meeting, it's not like... Yeah, I, exactly. I it. It, is it so you decided to sign up? What to, how did the people, your friends and family react to you signing up? Oh, that was not great, to, to, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't great. That wasn't great. Um, yeah, my, my uh, fiance, the, she was my girlfriend at the time, was always supporting me because she, she, she knew, uh, she knew even before me that was something I needed to do, you know, she, she, she knew even before uh, I could realize. 
but yeah, uh, in general, my family wasn't really glad because they were like, okay, you, you did like four or five years of studies and you're just going into the military, not even as an officer, you're going like, why? You know, why would you do that? You know, it's like I was uh, throwing all my efforts uh, in the wind, just like that to, to sign up. But after a few months, uh, they realized how happy I was, how um, passionate I was about my job, how I wanted to do it like really well. And they realized that in my studies or in my work in the civilian life, I wasn't like that. You know, I was just, okay, I'm going to study for my finals. I'm going to just, I have some emails to check on the weekend. Yeah, just, I was working, but that's what, that was about it. Nothing more. I think that's interesting because I thought it could have gone <clears throat> one of two ways. Mm -hmm. When you said they did not like it, um, they're like, it sounds like this is a bad career move. Why are you doing this? You're throwing away these years. Hey, if you wanted to do this straight out of secondary school or high school, fantastic. But you've already, you're already on your way to a career. Yeah. Why would you bother doing this? I thought it would be from the other direction because I wanted to ask about this. <clears throat> you know, you mentioned you like Band of Brothers yeah. and those military shows and military novels and hearing stories. They're powerful stories of, you know, brotherhood and and exciting adventure and being forced, being pushed to help with dangerous things and do the right thing. But then on the other side, these military things tell a story where war is terrible and people do things they don't want to do and they do things by accident or on purpose and they're given orders that they hate. And just the experience of shooting and being shot at is absolutely terrible for people. So I'm curious, did any of your friends and family worry about your safety? Or when you looked at those things like Band of Brothers, did you ever think how, when they would present how awful war was, how awful battles were, uh, did that give you any hesitation? Uh, no, not from my part. Um, yeah, they, they realized that. Um, they, they told me, yeah, do you realize you're going to have to kill eventually or get killed or, or wounded or something like that? Um, I heard them. I mean... I listened to them, but at the time I couldn't realize it because I was fully getting into it. I was um, training physically for my uh, test to, to get in, you know. Um, it's probably like that in the U.S., but in France you have to to have higher score to get into combat units. And uh, the lower the score you have, you'll go in another um, specialty, etc. So I was training really hard because I wanted to be with the best and uh, train with the best. And uh, everyone who goes into a combat unit, or even at least in the military, I think they have that, the, the death and killing uh, at the back of their mind. I think it's something we are all used to think about. But uh, yeah, when you get into a combat unit like myself, um, I was imagining everything that was related to death and killing people, but... You can't realize it until you've done it or experienced it, I guess. But no, that wasn't much of a problem for me, to be honest, at first. So you did a lot of pre-training before you ever showed up to sign up because you wanted to be ready. To, exactly. There's a certain level I need to have a, okay, a certain benchmark. What was the, once you got there, was the training what you expected? So what was your training like? Uh, b before signing up? No, no, after. Oh, after, so okay. You you trained, and did you train on your own or with like a group? Like were there a group of people trying to do this? Or you're like, no, I'm just going to pump up and then I'm going to show up and sign up and I'll be ready. Oh, no, I was totally alone, you know, doing pull-ups, uh, running, um, doing push-ups, uh, all, all of that, you know, uh, looking at documentaries, everything, reading books and, and stuff like that. 
um, then I did my test um, and then I, uh, I signed up for my unit and uh, yeah training was uh, totally different than uh, than I imagined because they don't get you on the physical side because people who get there are trained they, they they're trained you know physically they are trained uh, but they get you on the on the mindset you know they, they break you apart and they explain you uh, when you come explain you okay you guys are a bunch of civilians right now okay you've been shaped into a civilian for years now we're gonna break you apart and reshape you into soldiers and they did that really really efficiently I guess because uh, the ones who couldn't uh, accept that got out or hurt themselves or stuff like that but if you accepted that it was just a game that you were playing with the instructors that no matter what you were doing you're gonna get punished you're gonna get hurt and if you accept that it's gonna be okay in the end so did you feel it was easy when they came and just directly told you <clears throat> you've had all this indoctrination as a civilian you've been trained as a civilian we're gonna tear you down and make you a soldier you're like, okay, I'm ready. Or w w did you have any worry or you were just really excited? Do you remember what it was like? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I remember the first day I got there, actually. I was still in my civilian clothes, you know, and it was the fir first day and we got into um, our room. There's 10 people in the room. And um, they were like, there was the whole speech, you know, about how we had to be and stuff like that. And if we were doing great, they were going to be nice to us. So that was a bunch of crap i guess <laughs> but um yeah i remember that speech where they told us that okay just play the game it's gonna be all right for you and I, and i felt excited you know just like before going into a roller coaster you know you're kind of afraid but excited to 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 try it and uh yeah they put us on push-up position like in the small in small rocks you know with a fist on the ground and uh, yeah, quickly, quickly, I realized, okay, that's gonna be tough. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's gonna be tough. Did you immediately get along with the other recruits there? Um, yeah, with some of them. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, the first people I've uh, befriended were the first one to left to 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 leave actually the the training. And uh, I think in those kind of units. If you're too friendly at first, it shows something. You need support from somebody. You need help. That, that's what I learned, actually. The people who were the most, um, the most, I don't know, discreet, I'd say, the most close up, were the ones who, who went along because they just looked at people and analyzed how people were behaving and they formed small, smaller groups inside the, the unit. And that's how they got really strong. And uh, yeah, I, I had to learn that pretty quickly because I'm a friendly guy, you know, I go and talk to people and try to help people. But some people you can't help. You have to, to think for yourself too and then you have to help the people that are worth it during the training at least. So it wasn't a sense that at least you, it doesn't sound like you got the sense that, hey, <clears throat> we're bringing you together as a group because we don't want to hold you together as a group. So learn to work together as a group. This was a period of time where it was like, 
You need to learn what people do under pressure. You need to learn that being friendly is not necessarily, can't be your go-to. So it sounds like you had to kind of think about who am I and how am I reacting to people a lot more than you would in your civilian life, where probably whatever skills you had from birth and you went through schooling served you perfectly well in a career. And this sounds like you had to learn how to do things a little different. Yeah, yeah, I had to. Um, But that was like maybe one month or two of the training at first. They wanted to see personally how you do. And um, it was it was uh, really smart for them to do that because once you're used to think about yourself and just you know outdo yourself on PT test or physical training test um, or um, during a written test or a rock march and stuff like that, when you have to switch and they say to you, okay, that's your unit now. You have to work all together right now. And if someone does a mistake, everybody gonna get punished. The whole group gonna get punished, and you have to transition to that mindset, and that's difficult. And at that point, some people left too because they couldn't switch that. They were too um, thinking about themselves instead of the group at that time. So th- this is fascinating. I don't know if anybody's ever described <laughs> it that way, where they bring you in initially. And they're trying to cut out the people who can't think for themselves and who can't, as you said, a little more discreet, a little more thought, pay attention to other people around Mm -hmm. them. And then they switch it on you to, nope, now you're a group. And if group fails, you fail. So if you were really good at the discreet, holding things off, doing things yourself, you'd either fail on either end. So they're kind of asking you, we need you to do both. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But but the the thinking behind this is that um, when we're going to get deployed as a smaller unit, there's nobody is going to be behind us checking our equipment, our weapons and stuff like that. So we might leave like two guys on a mountainside to do recon and they have to think about themselves, not about the group at that time. And we have to, we, we need to have 100% trust to that one guy is going to do good by himself so the group can thrive outside. So was there any... <clears throat> Were there any parts of training that were particularly hard for you or something you straight up failed and had to do again? What was the what was the worst part of the hardest part of training? Uh, the, the worst part was, um, I think the U.S. call it SEER training. So it's like um, survival and uh, evasion and extraction. So it's a simulation where you're taken prisoner and you have to escape, basically. Um, yeah, that was really hard for me because... Um, it, my, my basic training was uh, in winter, you know, uh, winter in France. It's difficult. It's muddy. It's, uh, yeah, it's really hard. And uh, we were doing that uh, in the uh, World War One forts, like um, the defense line of, the, the, of France against Germany. And uh, it's really cold, humid, dark, uh, damp everywhere. It's really dirty. And uh, you have to survive and you have to eat... Uh, worms and stuff like that that you can find you know it's, it really sucks you know it really sucks <laughs> you lost you lost weight it's really really hard on the mind and um this is where you realize that some people uh will think to survive but not about you you know you're in a group you know them you've trained with them but once you get into survival mode and uh, you have to escape there's no there's no in between you know you have to survive with your group but some people can't do that you know the 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 fear and the the um, exhaustion it's too much for them and they try to go on their own and that's when the group breaks apart 
and that's when the instructors can understand who is who in the in the training can i ask um obviously if people get injured <clears throat> they have bad injuries though that would wash you out of training yeah um, what were, could you give an example of a situation where somebody did not leave of their own, either they were pushed out or they chose, this is too much for me. I'm quitting. What could you give an example that what that looked like? Oh, okay. Um, I remember that guy who just, uh, he ran off actually from training one night. He just left whole, all his stuff and just left, you know, left base. Uh, we could go outside if we wanted. We were not like, uh, blocked something, but, um, yeah, he just left because he couldn't accept that he was so good physically, you know, in the civilian world. Like he was, yeah, I could say he was an athlete, but he was like a really strong guy. And and now he was in a, he was in a hard place because he had trouble uh, having time to to get his uh, body to heal. You know, when you got uh, bloody feet because you you've walked for tens of kilometers. And uh, they tell you, okay, you can go to sleep. And 30 minutes later, they wake you up and they just, you know, hose you down with, uh, with water and tell you to just stand outside. And this guy couldn't handle it anymore. And um, we knew he was going to, to, to leave because he got quiet, you know, for a few hours, like really quiet. He wasn't talking to anyone, doing nothing. And uh, yeah, we knew this guy was going to go. And uh, yeah, they, they broke him mentally. Yeah, that's for sure. In those situations <clears throat> during the course of training, when you saw, you know, you mentioned Band of Brothers, and I feel like a thing that feels good about this brotherhood is when some people are ready to go off the cliff mm -hmm. and when some people are starting to give up, the group kind of comes together to pull them back in and keep them going. And it was just one rough patch. It was one bad moment and they got through it. Was a lot of this kind of holding off and people need to do this on their own or were there moments where the group would kind of, where the group tr tries to talk someone into, don't leave, I know it's hard right now. Uh, which way does it go? Let um, people leave because they should, or you try to keep them? Uh, this brotherhood um, thing came maybe six months after. At first, you don't you don't really do that to people because um, you're tired. You don't have the strength, actually, to do that. You have to wait for the... Yeah, it's like a mind switch, you know. You, your mind just goes, okay... Now we have this tight group, we're strong together, you know, this guy, we need this guy because he's strong on um, orientation or this guy is good at swimming and stuff like that. You, you just form like um, a really good mechanism inside of your group and it happens to everyone, you know, to have uh, some down moments like you, you don't know why you signed up, you, you don't know why, how it's going to end, stuff like that. So yeah. Uh, Maybe after six months, you were just like, okay, okay, just breathe, you know, breathe. It's going to be okay. You know, we're together, so it's going to be okay. So what was the transition like from transition? Um, where did you, where did you get into the unit, the exact unit you wanted? And was it exactly what you expected when you finally deployed or were sent off? Uh, yeah, that, that was the unit I was aiming for. So I was pretty happy to get into, into that one. Uh, the first time I deployed wasn't actually what I was uh, imagining for my first deployment, you know. Um, for some reason, your your brain just imagines something really, um, really organized, you know. Okay, we're going to go, it's going to be uh, that amount of time deployed, it's going to be over there, you're going to do that and this. Uh, it wasn't like that. 
we got a call at night and say, okay, we're going, you know, we're going. Uh, from that point, it has been three months since I came back home. Uh, I hadn't seen my fiance for three months and um, they were canceling all our uh, weekend passes and stuff like that. And um, because we had all the trainings and all the qualifications to pass. And uh, yeah, they just told us, okay, we're going. Few days probably, but we're going. And uh, yeah, you just jump into a plane, you got weapons and everything, and you don't realize you're you're going in another country, you know, to 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 do some mission. You're just kind of waiting. Your your mind is kind of fried because you don't realize it. You have to sign like a, a will in case something happens to you. But yeah, that, your your brain can't process all that. Is thinking back to that first time mm -hmm. you <clears throat> woke up or they're like, hey, 30 minutes, we're out of here. Um, is it a lot different on your first time than it is, uh, you know, years later? Uh, do you think about it differently or is it still that same kind of shock of like, nope, I need to shut off my life again and then voom, go do this? Or is it feel different? Uh, no, it feels different. Um, you you kind of learn new mechanism, you know, to... to to, to, to uh, approach the, the deployment um, and uh, most importantly on the home front you know with the fiance and the, and family you have those you know it's gonna be tough you know you're, you're gonna have to say to them okay I'm going back to, to, to war you, you don't say it like that but they know you know but you don't really say it and uh, yeah you, you take some new mechanism you have uh, you know how to order your things at home before going so it, it gets easier kind of way but I think for the families, it gets harder because you're pushing your luck, you know, because a bullet is a bullet, you know. It flies around, but if you catch it, you catch it. And the more you go out there, obviously, the more chance you, you, you get to, to catch that bullet. So for the family, I think it gets really harder. But uh, for us, yeah, it's easier. Yeah, it's easier. Are you today still happy that you signed up years ago? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, for me, it's one of the best experiences uh, I've had in life. And uh, no matter what happened or what I did or what I saw, um, everything I did, I did with a great group of people, like my brothers, those are my, really my brothers. Uh, we've, uh, we've bonded to, to, to a level that I could never find in the civilian life, you know. Um, I wouldn't call them my best friend, neither, but... It's, it's different. I don't know. I don't know how to express it, but uh, we kind of, this kind of a love-hate situation because you know you, you deploy with for four months with one guy. You know there, there's problem at one point, obviously, but still, <laughs> <laughs> it's a brother. It's a brother in the end. Can I ask? You kind of thought about I want whatever that experience is, that connection to these yeah. to these other people, and then you go and you get it. For those who have not had an experience like this, what do you think is the part of being in the military with this core of people? Uh, what is it that creates this different relationship? Um, I think it all comes from um, basic training where your body and mind are hurt. And when I think when your, your spirit is hurt and you have people around you that are living the same thing, on different level of course but still you're in the same same tent or same trench or whatever uh, I think you bond on another level because you can have empathy for the guy or girl next to you and I think that creates something 
I think, yeah, in the pain, you create a real bond. So is it really just so the, is the biggest part of building these bonds is just shared suffering in the moment? Yeah, I, I think so, because you're away from family, you know, you're discovering uh, your body, your mind in a difficult situation. And uh, you see people leave basic training, you know, you, you see people just because they can't do it or whatever. That There's no shame in it. You know, you try, you try that. That's OK. But it gives you strength saying, OK, this guy couldn't make it, but I'm going to make it. And when you see one of your friend making it, you want to do the same thing. You, you want to be with him, you know, and that creates something. Yeah, deeply. So when you when you first talked to me about the military, you threw in, oh, I, I've I've um, experienced and I'm experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep. Uh, so before we get into why or how, I'm curious, what are the symptoms or the things that you noticed in yourself or that people around you noticed or that prof medical professionals noticed that led them to say, Hey, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Um, so I'll de I deployed twice before realizing that something was, uh, was kind of wrong. Um, I'm going to get back to what happened that made me, made me realize, but yeah, when I came home from second deployment, for example, um, I was in my in my bedroom with my fiance. She was reading a book, and I was uh, just napping beside her, you know. And uh, in the street in front of our um, apartment, there was kind of a, like a carnival or festival or something like that. But they had firecrackers, you know. So they threw firecrackers. It just go pop, pop, pop everywhere. And I just woke up, but I wasn't moving in my bed. I just like woke up, and my brain kind of a uh, broke apart in two pieces and one side was saying okay you're in france okay nothing's happening you're home so it's nothing you know it's just people in the street and the other part was reaching for my weapons and i was like okay i need to go out there and fight i need to do something about that you know we're taking shots right now i need to get cover i need to fire back i need to uh, you know do a battle assessment after i was like thinking like uh, in a war time and Still, my mind was saying to me, okay, it's okay, nothing's happening, you know, it's your home, it's okay. And my fiance got up and got to the window and just told me, oh, it's a carnival or festival or something like that. And I just jumped out of bed and grabbed her arm, you know, and just yanked her out, out of the window frame. Because I was like, you, you're going to catch a bullet, you know, take cover, at least, you know. I was scared for her. And um, at that moment, I realized, okay, there's a problem, you know, the there's a problem because there's no war going on and you know I, I don't need to find my weapons I don't need to find my handgun or machine gun or whatever so yeah from that moment I realized that something was wrong with me it was I won't say wrong but something was different different about me you know I brought back some stuff from uh, from war that I needed to deal with and uh, also I realized that um, I could be in the party with friends in my living room and uh, I can drink drink a whiskey or something, talk and laugh and no worries. But my hand's going to go to my waist and check if I have my handgun with me. You know, that's that's kind of weird when you realize what's happening. So I had to do something, but yet I couldn't uh, convince myself that I needed to go and see someone. So it took a bit of time before I um, I found the, the courage to, to go and talk about it. So I... 
<clears throat> that example you gave is perfect. I remember my dad telling me when he came back from his two-year tour in Vietnam, yeah. he came back to America. They were in the airport, and they were just getting off the plane and getting into the terminal, and there was a big boom. Like, mm-hmm. something fell over, like a big piece of machinery fell over. And he and these 17, 18 other guys who just happened to be in that thing, they threw themselves on the ground. So they didn't even think. They yeah. So these 18, he just remembers this experience of, like, he didn't even think. Before he knew it, he was on the ground, and then he looked around, and these people are looking at them weird, and he sees all the other guys in their yeah. military fatigues also on the ground. So that's he was never okay after that, and he never talked to anybody. Before we go into you deciding, hey, I need some help, They, tr- you are put in these life-and-death situations where you do have to check your waistband, where you do have to listen to everything around you, where a bunch of noise, you need to process whether that noise is dangerous or not. How do you, when you go in, when you think, oh, it's gone too far, because that is, that seems perfectly natural for that to just keep going and going. How do they, where is the level at which you're just being aware and careful? And it's understandable that because now you've been trained this way, that you think that way, where does it become, when is it, when did it really feel like it was a problem? It wasn't just your military training that never turned off. It was uh, something feels wrong about this. I can't turn it off enough or it's it hurts me too much. What was it? Um, the thing is, um, I, I can be careful in the street. You know, I'm going to uh, it's certain that after my military training and deployments, I'm going to be more careful about any vehicle. You know, I'm going to just watch over my shoulder from time to time. And I accept that because it doesn't uh, I'm, I'm still um, I'm still lucid. You know, I, I can understand what I'm doing and I know what I'm doing it. Um, the, the 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 thing about the moment where I was in my bed, I felt like literally my brain, like br- break into two pieces, you know, and that's that's the thing about um, why I realized I needed help. It's because I wasn't really in control. I was trying to get control of myself, but my body was taking action for it, you know, and that's that's the thing. That's that's the difference between just having a military training and just. Looking at people differently, checking uh, waistband or checking people uh, in the street, but you have control. And when you lose that control and it's becoming um, a reflex, that's when I realized I needed to, to work on that because I was afraid that in 10 years, this kind of reflexes uh, gets bigger and I can't handle it and I can't control it. And I don't know what I'm going to be doing you know, in 10 years. Can I ask, did it really feel like it came from you or did friends and family who noticed this say, hey, this seems like a big deal. You should probably see if they can give you help. Or was it anyone in the military who said, for instance, do they tell you if you're having these signs of things, we want you to talk to somebody? So was it you, the military, or the people who was like the biggest push for you to Uh, go and seek help? The biggest push was uh, my fiance. She knew that she was going to talk to me about it and I was gonna think about it for a month before getting any help so she accepted that because i'm always like that you know she, she gave me she gives me an idea like the like the podcast you know she tell me you should go on the podcast and i take time before um, accepting that so no my fiance was the, the the biggest push and i thank her for that because um i think without without her help first um i wouldn't be able to talk about it so freely today you know and um my, my family didn't really um catch up on it because when we saw each other uh, in a family setting you know it was always holidays kind of things 
so I'm okay you know there's people around and you're just um, drinking eating having fun so it's okay it's not day-to-day -day thing but when the when you're tired of a, a long week of work and stuff like that that's my fiance that has to, to to deal with those kind of thing I didn't have that much of episodes like that not as strong but I had some and uh, she had to deal with it you know uh, but no family didn't really catch up on and uh, military was uh, not really use useful in that in that setting um they don't talk about ptsd that much when you come back from deployment it's kind of a taboo still so if your fiance talks you have these experiences where you don't feel fully in control <clears throat> and then your fiance notices and says hey maybe you should go get some help yeah. knowing that you're going to take a month or a couple months to process this you decide to do it what what help did you decide to seek and and how did it go um, it was the um, it was when I was writing stories on uh, on Reddit actually because uh, the feedback of people amazing people who told me okay I I've lived that you know I've experienced that or my dad or grandfather had that and you should go see someone because it can faster and um, I've had um, family members who had that for years and it took a wrong turn at the moment and I was like okay if those strangers are telling me that. And my fiance also is telling me that I need to do something, you know, I can't be that oblivious to, to things, you know, I, I need to push myself forward and um, and do something because I can't build a family on 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 that, you know, it's not possible. That can be a problem that I carry for my whole life. That's not possible. Okay, so what did you decide to do? Uh, first, I went to a military psychiatrist. So I talked to her and uh, she, she was uh, really helpful actually. She, I told her that I was, I was uh, writing stories and she told me you should do that because if you're doing it, it's helping obviously because you're getting the words out, you're, you're putting words on feelings and that's the biggest uh, problem out there with PTSD. It's when you can't um, explain your emotions. It gets all bottled up and can explode at some time. So, so I was doing that. She was really helpful. But with uh, all my schedule, at, um, with trainings and deployments, I couldn't have so much sessions with her. So uh, I deployed again. Meanwhile, uh, I went back. And um, when, I, when I came back, it was recently. Um, yeah, I took care of it. And I went to a civilian uh, psychiatrist. Uh, because Army couldn't help me. Because uh, the, 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 the missions where PTSD, uh, where the trauma occurred, isn't something they can talk about freely. It's not about James Bond stuff or whatever, but some missions are more, um, how can I say that? Uh, it's not about secret, but it's more discreet than others. So they can't acknowledge that, and um, they can't acknowledge that there was a trauma at that time, so I can't get help in the military. So I took a matter in my own hands uh, in the civilian life and uh, I have therapy sessions and I'm working on it and it helps a lot. It helps a lot. So it sounds like <clears throat> with the military psychiatrists and military psychologists, you are literally the problem is not that they can't talk about. We could talk about your feelings, but we can't sit here and talk in detail about all the details of all the events of exactly what happened on that mission. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So when you go and do this in the private sector, is it is it a different do you talk about things differently? Does is the private medical sector allowed to listen to you talk about things that are uh, 
are classified that you're not supposed to talk about, but the client doctor privilege covers that. Why, why was that? Why was the private one different than the public one? It seems like in both cases, both of them, you can't talk about <laughs> it. Why is it different well, with the private one? Well, you can talk um, about uh, cl- classified information uh, to a, a private psychiatrist because there's the, the medical um, confidentiality. But uh, even more than that, um, uh, the, the, the private psychiatrist that I'm seeing told me that uh, when I deal with the army about my uh, mental health and stuff like that, uh, the problem is uh, I don't have any recognition about the trauma. And talking to a military psychiatrist, I'm still talking to the army about something that the army doesn't recognize. And that's the problem for me. And I realized, yeah, that was a problem because there's no recognition about the trauma and there's no uh, mission report. So the thing that happened only happened to me, but officially nothing happened. And that's that's something that I have to accept and it's not the case yet. So it's a work in progress. What steps have you taken? So it sounds like talk therapy. Have they had you do any other thing like like EDMR where you move your eyes around? Have they experimented with any pharmaceuticals to help you? Have they encouraged you to do anything other than talk therapy? Um, yeah, I don't take medication. Um, I've asked not to because uh, I don't feel like I need that. Uh, well, yet at least I don't I don't need that yet. I don't have trouble sleeping or um, anger management. So I, I have my problems, obviously, but they're manageable in my day to day life. Um, what I uh, do right now, what I'm starting is a therapy. Uh, I don't have the name. I'm sorry, but um, they put you in the situation that you lived. So it can go by sounds. Uh, me writing a report about what happened and somebody reading me that report. Uh, like an official and uh, they're gonna try to see how I react and how my brain is making shortcuts to um, to my emotions and trying to deconstruct all of that and uh, basically rewire my brain to accept that okay that's a memory it's not happening it happened at this time and now I'm at that time so it's okay it's gonna be okay so it does. So they're sort of encouraging you to relive the thing, but relive it as a memory, not a your brain is accepting that this is repeating. It's repeating. Exactly. So your brain's going to have the same reaction. They're trying to get you to distance yourself. Exactly. From. Yeah. Has there been any part of doing that that was like sometimes when you're like enough, I can't do it anymore today or the person says, OK, let's stop now. What happens in your body or your brain where when you're reliving these events, are there any times when you're like, we have to stop, I'm too agitated? Yeah, it, yeah, I, 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 um, I have adrenaline rush. Um, I clench my fist. Um, it's getting hot. I'm not getting angry, but my body is back into the fight. You know, it's starting to get back into um, fight mode. And uh, yeah, my, my heart is pumping fast. And I have to yeah, calm myself down, drink a glass of water and uh, get back to you know normal life and then i can talk uh, about it and i've talked to my um, best friends uh, about about this and um yeah always the same mechanism you know clenched fist and getting adrenaline rush and stuff like that so yeah i have to control that i have to do it step by step and uh yeah it's, it's getting better i feel do you um so it sounds like you talk about this with your fiance. You may talk about it with your friends. You you mentioned a little bit like the military. I mean, maybe they're better than they were 20, 30 years ago. 
but it's still a little taboo. People don't like to talk about it. Yes. Do the people that you serve with, the people you served with a long time, is everybody open about the stuff they're going through? Or when you show up to do the job, people don't talk about the fact that they're experiencing PTSD? Um, it depends on the guys, to, to be honest. Some guys are more closed up than, uh, than, than others, but that's more about a character personal thing you know it's not uh, about necessarily the experiences but yeah we've uh, we've sat down uh, after the, the the most recent deployment and we're gonna we need to talk about that you know we need we need to talk about that because um we've lost friends uh, during deployments uh we were in tense situation in combat and stuff like that and um yeah we, we realized we needed to talk about it because army wasn't gonna help us and uh, I have some friends that have um, anger management issues, um, sleepless night, you know, they, they have um, nightmares and uh, they can't deal with it anymore, you know. They feel comfortable only in deployments and uh, obviously deployments is not every day, so you still have to deal with what's happening at home. And um, yeah, we try and talk about it, but it's difficult because not everyone has the words yet on the emotion. Uh, some people are more shy than others and uh, we've all took some uh, therapy sessions uh, in the private sector because uh, yeah we are a really small unit and um, we thought that was the, the best move for us if we wanted to have a future as a unit so yeah it's it's in process but not all of the guys are um, necessarily on board with it but they're still making the effort for the group have you had conversations with either people in your very small knit group or in the larger conversation, maybe on places like Reddit, places in military communities, where you have talked about your experience getting help for PTSD and you've heard someone describe to you, what you're telling me is a lot of how I felt or what you're telling me are symptoms of this and you could probably go get help. Do you feel like you're kind of evangelizing or really you're just doing it for you and you're not telling any other people they need to go get help? Well, Strangely enough, I'm more um, closed up about my uh, PTSD than what I, what I've seen or done in deployments. Um, for example, on Reddit, because uh, it's where I shared first, um, I write stories about what I saw, what I did, or what I experienced. But I don't talk about the therapy process. You know, uh, it's not a, that I'm um, feeling shameful for it, but I don't know. I don't have control on it. That, that's the thing, I think. Um, I'm not in control about what's happening in therapy. So I don't really talk about it because I don't know yet how it's going to go. And uh, maybe I'm might of a, a control freak, maybe. <laughs> so so I don't feel comfortable enough to, to, to talk about uh, the, the, the therapy to people who can have the same experience as me. I'm trying a lot to, to do that, but I feel more comfortable talking about deployments, that's for sure. Is it has your fiance? She was the one who sort of said, Hey, you might want to get help. I <laughs> yeah. think you, you might need help. Has she noticed a difference in the time when you came back, maybe from that second deployment, and then now after having time in therapy and thinking about things more? Um, I, I don't know if she noticed a difference, but um, we never talked about uh, about it like um, a, a progression, like, okay, you're starting from here and you need to go to there and let's see where you're at right now. We never talked about it that this way, to, to be honest. You're not getting graded every three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, was, it wasn't like that, but um, no, she's happy that I'm at least doing the effort, you know, to, to, to try and heal myself. And uh, I think for her, 
um, that's the most important part because you can have problems, you can you can have issues. That's not a problem, but you have to to, to deal with it. You know, we're together. We're uh, building a life together. So if you're putting the effort, I can manage that. But that that's the minimum. You know, that, that that's the minimum effort you have to do. So I don't think she she noticed a difference, but for her. I think the difference is that I'm talking about it, and that's for now at least good enough for her. What is your dream for your military career? Before we started, you were kind of talking about, well, I started as this, and then I got into this group, and then I've added this certification or this thing. What is your dream for your career? Like, how long would you want to go? And is there some, do you have other achievements in the military? Like, I want to get to this point and this point and this point. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I've signed up for a five years contract uh, in the army. Uh, I wasn't thinking about doing more and I'm still not. Um, to be honest, I, I'm going to do my five and uh, just get out because uh, my, my uncle was in the army for, uh, for decades or something. And uh, for example, he deployed and he never saw uh, the birth of his uh, kids, uh, stuff like that. And I don't want to miss out on this, um, to be honest. So I'm going to do my five years and uh, I've already have my dream concerning the, 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 the army because I went into the unit I wanted to and I've deployed and I've deployed to, to places I wanted um, I wanted to, to deploy to. But no, I've, I don't think I've seen seen everything obviously but i've seen what i needed to see i've i've done what i needed to do uh i've given my best and uh yeah i'm fine with it i'm fine with it as you think sometime in the near future eventually you would have kids and it sounds like yeah i don't want to be in the military while i'm having kids because the military governs your life and they can take you away at any time so maybe you'd be transitioning to civilian or be fully a civilian by that point Do you imagine whether if your kids came to you in the future and, you know, 15, 20, 25 years from now, they want to join the military? Do you feel like the military is a great choice for some people and it's wonderful? Or has your experience been such that you would probably encourage your kids, if you don't have to go into the military, don't. How do you feel about it? I'm going to say then, don't do that to yourself, you know. (laughs) 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 I'm going to warn them, that's for sure. I'm going to warn them. It's going to be difficult, but... Who would I be to, to, to stop uh, my kid to, to, to do what he wants, you know, she wants that for the matter. But no, no, I'm going to warn them because it's, it's still a difficult uh, life. Serving is, is difficult. You, you don't have control over your life. You, and uh, yeah, you can experience uh, death. You can, uh, yeah, that's, that, can be, that can be hard. But it's still a great experience. It's still a great experience. And um I would understand if uh, my children don't even want to get into uh, the military. That's no problem to me. But um, maybe I wouldn't uh, be so supportive of them going into it. But I would accept it. Yeah, that's for sure. 